I'm attorney Barry C. Boykin. I'm attorney Kevin Johnson. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Dynamite Divorce and Other Matters, as we uh, explore another issue in family law. And Barry, what have you got today? Today, I wanted to talk about, Kevin, the idea of a, a parent who is presented with a proposal by the other parent. And, and these are parents that are just at the aftermath of a parent. This is typically the case when parent acts quickly to get something in place to uh, establish things relating to their All right, parenting so of a small child. It's time to make a deal. And we're talking about somebody who's on the receiving end of some sort of a document written by an attorney working with the other side. And I guess we must be, you know, to face facts here, the other attorney is not on your side. When you're being presented with a proposed agreement, the other side's really, their mandate is to take over and take control and do what's best for their client. And if that means feeling like you, you get run over by a truck, actually that's their job. Zealous advocacy, okay? They are not, no matter how much nice they are, they are not on your side and it's not their their job to see after your goals, right? So it is it is a little bit of an imbalance of power. The other side knows more, has more experience, and here you are trying to decide if this multi-page document is is something you should sign, right? Before we go further, this podcast is no substitute for the specific legal advice you will get by consulting one-on-one with a licensed attorney in your state or country. We hope that before taking any action that might change your life or your financial situation, and before making decisions that might significantly affect your children and the people around you, you do find and meet with a licensed attorney. Now Now on with the show. show. And this multi-page document is often presented in my experience, not by the attorney who's kind of invisible in the wings, but by the the attorney's client, the other parent. <laughs> and Kevin, do you have an uh, idea of why that is? I've even had the situation where I'm representing someone and lo and behold, a typed document turns up in my client's possession that the other side has written. And wait a minute, that's supposed to be attorney to attorney. Now, I think that's that's not right. But what you're describing is the unrepresented person, the person bereft of an attorney on their own, now sees a document coming in from the other parent. And I I don't know what the advantage is, unless it maybe seems more friendly and more, you, you, you'd be more likely to accept it if the other parent gives it to you directly. Do you, you think that might be why they do it? Well, here's my explanation. And that is oftentimes when someone gets a letter from a lawyer, is the first time perhaps they've ever mm-hmm. had contact with a lawyer in their life. It's like yep. a splash of cold water. And I think the other thing is that the attorney on on his or her part wants to be careful that I don't want to seem to be, I can't represent both oh, that's a good, sides yes, of the Yes, that's a good point. Yes, so I want to make because it I ha- very clear. Yes, I make it a point only to talk one. to pro se people. If I have a client and I'm trying to work out a deal, if I can, I'll do the same. I don't want it really have a phone conversation with the other party or really have, I don't have them into my office because for fear of what you just said, that they're going to think, well, yeah, we both worked with the attorney and he, I guess he was represent, representing both of us. And, and that it could be bad later when they say, well, I thought you were looking out for me. Now I don't get my weekends. 
so no, I agree with you that you've got to make a clean break of it. And that's probably what you're saying. The, the client of the attorney will present the, the proposed deal, right? Not the attorney, right? Now, here's another aspect of that situation. And that is that the client who has retained the attorney is often told, well, if you can get your counterpart to sign, uh-huh. this will save you money matter. Uh, I'm going to have to charge you two or three times as much as if you come back to me with a signed agreement and there are no issues. So it's presented as a cost saving measure. And the parent comes and says, Hey, look, we can save both of us save money. If you just sign these documents, we'll, we'll right, save right. And, thousands and of dollars. It's, it's attractive because the person who is on the receiving end is already thinking yeah. they've saved money by not hiring a lawyer. And now there's further cost savings if we could just put this to bed and get this done and let's, you know, and it might be presented as, look, we don't want to stress everyone out. There's no reason to put a lot of people through, you know, my, my attorney says it'll be a trial, there'll be testimony and all this stuff and the uncertainty of a judge. So why don't we just agree? And it sounds so good, but I'm here to say that there are paragraphs often inserted by attorneys in these things which, while standard in the industry, can come back to haunt you. And okay. so why don't you give us an example of that? What, what <laughs> okay, let's talk about special occasions. All right, so often I have seen, yeah. and I've seen these things run 12, 15, nearly 20 pages sometimes, what are called allocation judgments. Now, when I say allocation, why don't I say custody and visitation? Well, ever since January 1st of 2016, when they revamped, the uh, custody laws and the divorce laws, they've, they've done away with custody and visitation for parents. What they now have is decision-making on four points, as we know, medical, school, religion, and extracurricular activities. And then it's the parenting time, formerly known as visitation. So parenting time schedule plus a plan for making decisions, that's your allocation judgment. So often you get this big, long package but look for paragraphs like this that make it what are called what we call in the legal business illusory contract. An illusory contract is one that looks like a firm agreement. You know your rights. Here's what you got. Except how about a paragraph like this? Both parties shall endeavor to allow the child to attend special occasions such as weddings, funerals, family celebrations, and the like. When one party receives notice that the child is wanted at a special occasion, that parent shall not unreasonably withhold their consent to the child's attendance at that function or special occasion. Now what? (laughs) Okay, that opens the door. You might think, well, yeah, but there'll be a limited thing. Who's to say? It now says if one party considers there to be a special occasion, Aunt Henry's in town, Aunt Agatha has come to you know, we were going to have a, a celebration, cousin's birthday party. Uh, we've got tickets to the circus. So everything's a special occasion if it, if you want it to be. And then you simply notify the other party and point to paragraph 36 of your agreement and say, you can't say no. It says you can't unreasonably withhold your consent. Oh, we'll give you makeup time. It says that you get makeup time. But all of a sudden you have to wonder from week to week, when are they going to pull this thing? When are they going to say, you can't have this weekend because it's a circus? We have tickets, this, that. I hate that variable stuff. And maybe you do too, Barry. Now, I've had parents who strenuously argued 
And perhaps they have a special occasion in mind. And perhaps one way of resolving that would be to define the special occasion so narrowly, uh, which I've seen done. So I've seen agreements mm-hmm. where the uh, special occasion is written in that uh, for uh, Aunt Susie's wedding or for uh, Uncle Harry's reunion or whatever the I mean, the something they, they can foresee this coming up it, in the future. They just write it in, you mean? They they know about it. They don't want to miss it. They anticipate I have no problem with that because that. that's very specific. What I'm saying yeah. is handing them the golden yeah. key and saying, you know, anytime you consider it to be a special occasion, it's it, you can have the extra time, deny the other parent their weekend. And it's just like this other thing, which I also hate, is that the extracurricular activities can be a weapon. And where it gives a party the right to schedule activities and then says to the other parent, it is important for the child to attend their sports and special and extracurricular activities. So on that parent's parenting time, they shall make sure the child goes to sports events and tournaments and and extracurricular activities. So now what? You can punch that person's weekend up like Swiss cheese with all kinds of activities. Now I'm talking about pre-COVID, of course. Now it's a little more limited with uh, the pandemic, but any anything that allows one parent to punch holes in the other parent's parenting time or render the agreement, as I said, illusory or unpredictable is very upsetting to people. The analogy I use is, let's say you live next door to somebody and you've got a fence in between your yards. It's a nice, strong wooden fence. Well, great. You know your backyard, you can go outside, you can enjoy your grass. What if instead it's like a rope on a couple of sticks and the other side says, well, we're going to need your backyard for this uh, gathering we're having. And, or we've decided our pool is going to go into your yard a little bit because it's a six-foot pool. It's got to go a little over. You know, whether it's long-term or short-term, they come right into your space. That's what I consider parenting time is your space, your time. You know what you got. And it should be a hard fence. It should be firm, not this variable stuff. Not everybody agrees with me, though. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you a question, Kevin. And that is, um, when drafting that, those paragraphs about extracurricular activities, does it make a difference uh, if the child is two years old as opposed to a child who's 16 years old? Does that affect how you draft the provision? I'm really one for simplicity and, and less words if I can. So I, I like something like this it would be neither party shall schedule or enroll the child in extracurricular activities that infringe on the other parent's parenting time without that parent's written consent by email or talking parents, whatever they're using. And the written part is important so that they don't say, well, I talked to Joe on the phone. He said Bobby could go to football you know so it's not a he said she said over who gave approval have it be in writing and now you might think well that's really limiting what if the child wants to be in sports and the other side won't let them but that's where you persuade the other side you, you adult to adult you don't send bobby over tell your dad you want to be in summer baseball but and then the dad's well we've got plans we're going to go to the grand canyon we're going to travel you know, don't send the child over to persuade the other parent. Be an adult about it and communicate directly. If you can't persuade the other parent, that's it, because that's their parenting time. Not everybody agrees with me, though. 
So the provision, the provision, I've seen it occur because it is uh, in almost every parenting agreement. There's yes. something about extracurricular, and the statute contemplates that. And so, parents, uh, like the case we first started started talking about, these two young parents, they've just separated. The child is 15 months old, so a, a, a child who's very tender years. They're kind of it's all moot because that child, of course, is not enrolled in anything. Uh, is usually with mom all the time. So they're they're just speculating about, well, years from now when the child goes to right. camp or goes to goes to soccer or, or enjoys basketball or whatever. Now that's different from uh, the cases I'm I'm familiar with where the there's a, a track record. In other words, the child's already engaged and perhaps has some skill and aptitude in, uh, right, in right. ballet. I got it. I got it. Or uh, soccer or something like that. So so the question is that is there some difference in the draft between the young parents with the 15 month old and the parents well, here's with a the problem. teenager? When you say paragraphs I've seen in these things, which I think are horrendous, where they say, well, both parties shall take into account the express preference of the child when scheduling extracurricular activities. It is understood that the child should remain enrolled in each of the sports that they are now enrolled in and other sports that are similar in the future. Uh, okay, what you're trying to do then is say one parent's judgment should overrule the other parent's judgment. Like it's not having faith that the parents can work it out to the best interest of their child. It's saying, I'm going to bulldoze this other parent with my plans for extracurricular activities and I'm going to get the child to help me do it by saying, Bobby, you want to be in summer baseball, don't you? Yes, Mommy. And then, well, you tell your dad. And then emails go out and Bobby wants to be in summer baseball. And paragraph 20 says, if he child's express wishes have to be followed. Meanwhile, dad is on a completely different track. He's got summer camping, trip to the Grand Canyon. He was going to, they were going to go go-kart riding in Wisconsin. He's got a plan. But mom's saying summer baseball, you know, and you, and what I'm saying is it, it's a, what it does is it sets up a crash together that I'm trying to prevent and crashing together over enjoyable activities, forcing the child to choose their loyalty or it's just a train wreck. So, no, it's not the real world. It's not normal life. It's I say, stick to your side of the fence. If the other side writes that, OK, that's fine. You can get we can schedule that on summer baseball will be fine if it's going to impact the other parents parenting time get their consent in writing. I think the court order should say it's required to get their consent in writing so that one parent doesn't just bulldoze the other side with their with their plans, which just chops the other's parenting time into ribbons. So, Well, here's, here's another solution that sometimes occurs, although it, I think that some, some may find a problem with it, which is that the parents can reserve the issue of extracurricular. And I'm thinking, again, in the specific instance of the very young child, and so the parents would say, we'll decide that when we get to it. I think no, we're out of time, I, though. That, so that, this hand was five fingers. Oh. It was five minutes. I was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> if you, for the listeners, uh, Barry and I are at different locations. Okay. We're, we're, uh, we're looking at each other on, on video. So I'm holding up five fingers, and he thought it was the stop sign. No, this was the five-minute sign. So Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, so, Barry, uh, so what I don't like about your approach is you're saying, let's put off the day of reckoning till later and everything in my dna is about fix it now make it make it right 
and don't leave a sponge in the patient. Sew them up and say, you know, we'll deal with that sponge later. Yeah, we left a sponge in. There's a little bump under the skin, but hey, we'll deal with it later. And I think that sending them out with an unfinished or maybe we'll negotiate it later is sort of like that, leaving a sponge in the patient. It's going to fester. There's going to be problems. Hey, we'll deal with it later. Now, it, it is a standard in the industry to, work, to not worry about that too much. I mean, we'll deal with it later. That's fine. That's why we have professionals. But my goal is not to be needed later. You know, whatever analogy you want to use, painting the line down the highway, making it clear where the rights are, or using a fence that's actually made out of wood instead of some fl flexible plastic. Um, I'm going to use another painful <laughs> example, which is painful. Where, where, the, where, where, the dentist, where the dentist says, I'm going to give you a filling now, but be prepared. You may need a crown in the future. Uh -huh. So the dentist is not going to give you a crown now because it's okay. not warranted. He's going to give you the filling. A temporary, it's a temporary fix because that's appropriate for the moment. And I think that that, that kind of fits where they are now. Parents are not fighting about it. And I, as the attorney, I'm not looking for it to start a fight. I'm just saying, hey, if you if you don't want to deal with but, that now, okay. let's just deal with what we right, know but, about. And we're not going to wait a not going to bring up anything. Okay, but, wait a, a minute. Tell me what you mean by reserve it for later. Are you saying there will be no provision regarding extracurricular activities and to say the Kind of like saying, well, the, the parties will work it out later. Is that what you're saying? Well, in the uh, in the court proposed parenting, uh, there's there are court forms which has a parenting oh, yeah. plan, and then on the court form, it and it indicates on the section regarding extracurricular activities. Then uh, the choices are: uh, one parent makes the decision, both parents make the decision, or it's reserved. Okay. And, and so that means that that courts, we don't want your involvement in that part of our decision making. We'll decide that on our own okay, when good. time comes. That, and I have had parents who've yeah. done that. And now whether or not you know, ten I mean, a two year old child, if if it blows up ten years from no, now, no. Then, look that's I mean, for, know that, about it, so that's but, a different animal because that says there's no requirement of any to consent to yeah. to giving up your time. And so actually, I'm fine with that. That's just like leaving it off entirely. But that's, I mean, because yeah. what I'm against is when it says one parent with the help of the child, convincing the child, put their arm around the child, say, Bobby, do you want this? Do you want summer baseball? Do you want a weekend, every weekend swimming? And then bulldoze the other parents' parenting time when all they simply want is to see their child on a predictable, <laughs> regular basis with no interference. And it becomes nearly impossible when you punch holes in their weekends and say they got to go. Now, this is pre-COVID. Maybe maybe this pandemic won't last forever. Yeah. We'll be back to delivering our kids to different activities. But, yeah, so I'm all for predictability. <laughs> and and so, um, yeah. well, in summary, then, as we as as we uh, wrap this up um, for our listeners, are there any basic ideas that they should keep in mind when presented with an agreement? And they're on their own. They don't have an attorney. And this agreement is being written by an experienced attorney. And it's being presented that here, here's a deal. Why don't we settle? Can you think of some basic ideas they should, if we summarize, what should they keep in mind? We may have touched upon this in a prior podcast, but I, I believe that for someone who's not represented by a lawyer, that if you don't understand the provision, then you, you don't sign off on it. So I think you want to understand it, at least get a consultation, I would say, to, so that you understand understand what you're mm -hmm. signing is, I think, what I would 
recommend to anyone looking at really any contract. But I think short of that, I think that uh, kind of use common sense. I think there's a tendency, and in the example mm -hmm. I've given you from the beginning, I think that uh, the, the tensions are kind of right. high for a part, parties who've just separated. Mm -hmm. And um, what's at play there? You know, is there, is there, uh, is there some peacemaking going on? And uh, is there some attempt, well, I'm going to sign this because it'll please the other right. parent. So I think that, that some common sense has to be used insofar as, as um, what, what, what does this mean for me and to me? All right. And if I summarize, my basic principles would be if you use the analogy of, you know, you have your yard and the next, your neighbor's yard, do you know where your time begins and where it ends? Is it very clear? Don't have the parties shall equally divide spring break. The parties shall equally divide the winter break. Nothing that says uh, one party shall get three weeks in the summer to be worked out later. I really think, you know, June 30th to July 15th is, you know, pick your days. And people might, I get pushback. People say, well, but I don't know when my summer vacation should be. Well, now you will. You'll know a year in advance. You can book that cabin in the woods a year in advance because you'll know. And a beauty of having definite times and days is on June 30th, when you know your summer is beginning, you've got your, maybe your flight is booked for July 1st, but you have like, the other side doesn't produce a child. Now, if you've been careful to cultivate a good relationship with the police, you can walk in, don't call, walk into the local police station, say, hi, it's me again. I've got my schedule here. It's my day. I can't find my son. I know he's with the mother. Then you can ask them to try help you and try to get your son back because you've got a definite day. But if it says you should get three weeks in the summer, nobody can help you. And that's why definite things, while you never want to use the police if you can avoid it, if it came down to that, or if you had to go to court to enforce your rights, you have a definite thing, definite days, right? Like I even like try to avoid every other weekend, that phrase, and, and have it be second and fourth or third, first and third. So that's my, my principle is making very, if you don't understand a paragraph and you're forced without an attorney to decide, then just take a ruler and cross out that paragraph. And if they say, well, we need that paragraph. Well, what does it mean? <laughs> I don't understand it. I'm not going to agree to something I don't understand. So this is out. And that might be. Well, Kevin, I think that's good advice. And uh, we're coming to oh, the end thanks. now. Yes, I think. I think we've reached the end. Thank you. So uh, thank you very much for joining us for this uh, episode 20, I believe it is. And I'm Kevin Johnson. I'm attorney Barry C. Boykin. And we'll see you later.